Welcome to season one of the Beacon of Hope podcast with Jesse Kretzer, your host, bringing hope and encouragement to nine to five rebels. Having raised two career musicians, building her own business, and teaching others to do the same, Jesse is intimately familiar with the behind the scenes grit needed to go after your passion. And life experience has taught her this. There are a lot of things you can live without, and hope is not one of them. And now, here's your host, 9 to 5 Rebel herself, Jessie Kretzer. Welcome to Season 1 of the Beacon of Hope podcast. Each week, I interview a different 9 to 5 Rebel about their journey. And my goal is to bring practical advice and tips to other nine to five rebels as I do these interviews. So today my guest is Brad Murphy, and he is the owner of Red Bridge Farm in Kettle Falls, Washington, which I really don't know where that is. It's really far from me, I know that. But we're gonna learn more about that from Brad. And I really wanted to interview Brad because I know that he has a mission and a passion and also definitely a journey because anyone that picks up, leaves their jobs, you and your wife left your jobs, made this decision seven years ago, if I have it correct. Uh, You were in Kansas and you moved across the country to Washington State to pursue the dream and the passion that you have which is truly something that I can see is making a difference. You're mobilizing veterans to feed America. And something that's near and dear to my heart is that you are teaching farmers how to um, be more responsible and give us a cleaner source of nutrition. And so that is very near and dear to my heart because that's part of what I do as a nine to five rebel. So Brad, tell us about what in the world was going on in your heart and your mind seven years ago when you had the courage to make that bold of a move. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And actually it was uh, seven years ago was about when we started moving out here, but the journey itself actually began many years before that, about um, 2006, I was on my second tour in Iraq and Um, had this feeling and this drive that I wanted to get into farming and do something different besides um, working a desk job. And so through that, as I was, I was on, uh, on tanks, on Abram tanks in Iraq. And um, one of the things we didn't have a lot of time back then, we didn't have um, internet on the bases or anything like that. So what did we do? We either watched movies or we read. And so I ordered I don't know how many different books from Amazon on, on how to farm. And um, at the time I was really digging, uh, getting into starting a meat goat ranch and um, that didn't pan out, but that was one of the areas that I got into and, and really read a lot about. And my grandparents at the time had, um, had a goat, little goat ranch. And so I was able to kind of pull from that a little bit. And, and so the, it just kind of, started running from there and uh, that was before my wife and I were married and then we got married back in 2010 and uh, through that my my grandpa actually passed away and we were out 
helping my, my grandma with her ranch for a little bit and getting things um, put together and squared away and everything. And through that, my wife got, got inspired to get into farming as well. And so, um, so we decided, well, we're going to do it. What, what does this look like? And we started searching for land and where in the world we were living in Kansas at the time. I was a recruiter with the army and we were trying to figure out what are we going to do? How are we going to get into this? You know, land's not cheap. How do we, how do in the world do we start a business, you know, and just slowly one thing led to another and we started working it out and, and we were able to work with my, my parents for a, a loan to get into everything. And um, through that in 2014, we ended up moving up to our piece of property up here in uh, um, is where we, our property is at in Colville, Washington, which is in the northeast corner of Washington, about two hours north of Spokane. And we can almost throw a rock and hit Canada. So, um, and then, you know, we got going into farming, you know, it was something that really didn't know how to do it. Um, like I said, I read a lot of books. Uh, prior to us being able to move here, I was able to go and work for a couple of weeks for another veteran farmer down in Arkansas. And uh, he gave me the hands-on ability to just come in and, and dive in and get dirty with it. And, you know, which I had not learned any of that side. You know, you can only watch so many YouTubes and, and read so many books before you got to actually go out and yeah, pick up a chicken and actually make it happen. So, um, so after working with him, we were able to move up here, get started and dove head first straight in, um, ordered, what was it? A hundred layers in January that year and um, laying hens to, to start them up and to have our egg business running, hopefully by the farmer's market timeframe. You know, so we would have eggs around June and jump straight in and, and started raising meat birds, never butchered a meat bird in my life before coming up here, but we had, I think we did 500 that, that year. And that was some brutal um, trial and <laughs> getting into it, but, um, and then, you know, as things just keep progressing, we kept figuring out our niche and finding what was working and what wasn't working. And, um, and one thing led to another, and now we're in the feed industry and we're making non-GMO livestock feed and right. we mill, it, mill it every single week. We have orders that come in and you know, we're kind of like the old, uh, uh, we don't make it till you order it concept, you know, so um, orders come in, we, we make it and we send it out so we can get the freshest feed possible out to the customer. And the reason we did got into feed, I just couldn't find what I needed as a farmer in my feed that I could find around me. There wasn't, we weren't hitting the marks on, on the feed industry. It was, you know, there was a lot of feed that was overlaying feed. This is good for all these different types of birds and we needed something that was going to really hone in when those eggs were being produced by the layers if the lay if that laying hen wasn't producing an egg it was still eating that day it was still eating you know a quarter to a, a third of a pound of feed every single day that still costs money when you have 300 birds and adds up really quick and if those birds aren't laying eggs you know, they're not earning they're not earning their keep absolutely so right? <laughs> So we started digging into it. How do we make feed? How do we do all this stuff? And, and dove headfirst into that and figured it out. And, and now we own our, our feed mill that we have here in Kettle Falls. And, uh, you know, this is every day is a new adventure, a new 
something that comes up, mm -hmm. you know, as, as a, a nine to five rebel, as you put it, you know, we, we have to figure out everything, even this morning with getting the, the, the tech issues that I had figured out. I didn't have a tech crew to call. It was, it was me, you know, a piece of equipment goes down, we got to figure it out and fix it. Manufacture something to fit that part. And, right. And so right. And it's been a journey, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful for, you know, in the army, we were taught um, problem solving and you have to be quick and you have to be able to, to make a decision on the fly and something's happening and you got to be able to go and make it happen. And, you know, that's, that's really helped in this, in this industry because, you know, we could be smooth sailing one second, all of a sudden a piece of machinery is breaking down and, or something is going on and we're overfilling something or, grains going somewhere whatever it is you know we got to figure it out right so it's been well let me ask you this well first let me thank you for your service and not yeah, just absolutely. for your service to our country but we'll get into it here in a little bit um understanding what it is that you're doing also for the veterans of our country um i'm curious what took you to the northeast corner of washington state and I'm also curious about what you read in those books that defined how you were going to differentiate your mission as a farmer. Sure. So, so why, why Northeast corner uh, first? Yeah. Well, at the time we were living in Kansas, which has um, zero mountains. I'm sorry for anybody that is in Kansas that thinks they have mountains. You don't. And and so I was born and raised in Idaho and loved the mountains, loved to be up in that area and wanted to get back into the, the, the Pacific Northwest. And so um, through our search, it took us two years to find our, our piece of property we're on now. And through our search, we were originally we were trying to look, one of the things I read in the book was you need to have, uh, you need to have your farm so close to this much population in order to be able to sustain it. And so looking at that, we were looking, well, where's that, what would make sense? You know, obviously the biggest population, those who are really pushing for this kind of food that we're doing are over on the West Coast, around Seattle, that area. And so I started looking there. Well, land was extremely expensive to get anything of, of size that we knew we needed to be able to sustain what we were trying to do. And so as we kept looking, we started finding the, the Colville region and the land was really, uh, nice looking land it was in the mountains uh, we were close to a population that we could get to spokane was only a couple hours away and so there was there was avenues of of selling that we could get into and and the so we came up and we visited the area and it was the the people up here were just so nice we had went and visited the, the farmers market here and fellow farmers there were trying to help us figure out where to go and how to do things and, and we're only this is one week that we were here to visit you know and, and so we're like wow this is really cool and we just really felt that that was where where god was leading us that that was that we were supposed to come up here and you know and every step of that journey has been another um another point to that that we can tell that that this is where god has us at and everything from, from us being able to do the, the farming and to make food for, for our fellow um, countrymen around us to being able to work with the, uh, the veterans and, and do different stuff that we're doing now. So 
yeah, I mean, that, that kind of, I guess that kind of answers your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you absolutely did. And it spurs a couple of more questions. That's how uh -huh. these things you typically roll. Sure. So um, this whole, um, you help farmers understand how they can get custom feed, whether they want to get higher omega-3s in their meat or their eggs or their milk, or that they want to be non-GMO. Now, right. those are the kind of things, I live on the East Coast, and these are the kind of things that get my attention because I'm a healthy living coach and I help people understand that the quality of your food and what you eat directly affects your health. And we are sure. in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic right now. Right. And so this has um, been on my radar for about 15 years but now it's on everybody's radar, understanding how we can, what we can control. We know what we can't control, but what we can control is the quality of what we put into our bodies. And this is where you seem to be differentiating yourself. Am I correct on that? Oh, absolutely. That was something with, that we found through, through farming, we found what our customer base was looking for. They wanted us to be soy free with our feed. They wanted us to be corn free with our feed. They wanted it all non-GMO and they wanted to know um, where their food was coming from, how it was being raised. They wanted to know that I was out there pulling the chicken tractor and moving my birds every single day, that it was me doing it and, and that my birds were healthy and they were happy as, as happy as a bird can be out in the pasture doing what it's supposed to do. And, and as some will say, you know, they're getting the chickenness of the chicken, you know, kind of thing. Joel Salison likes to say that a lot. And, you know, it's, it's putting the bird and the animal into where it, it should thrive. And through that, we get sub substantially better product in the end out of it. You know, the, mm -hmm. the meat, the flavor from the meat that we get is just phenomenal. You know, when we get um, the different types of ingredients that we use in the feed, correlates to what the flavor of the meat is going to be. And so all that spans across and, and it really is what you, what you eat is what you are. And so when we have, uh, you know, the different ingredients that we put into that feed, the chicken eats it or the pig eats it, the cow eats it, whatever eats it comes out to what we're eating. And so if we can put different ingredients in that are going to give us higher omega threes into the, into the feed that does correlate across into the eggs, you know, if we um, want a different flavor composition or the fat to flavor differently, there's different things we can do to, to help that come across. Or with the milk, if we want the milk to be a little sweeter, um, there's different ingredients that we can use to help that happen. So, and that's really where we want to hone in with the farmer is to give the farmer the ability to talk to us and say, this is what I need. This is what I'm trying to hit. How do I do that? And where mm -hmm. then we can say, okay, well, Either A, we have feeds already prepared that will hit those, those marks that they're looking for, or we work with our nutritionists and we come up with a new, uh, a new line for what they're trying to do. So, yeah. Right. So I love that what, you, what I read on your website is, wouldn't it be great if you had access to a feed mill and a professional nutritionist who could custom design your feeds specifically for your farm? And that's, I mean, that sums up what you're offering and, and what your niche is. 
Now, for me, the passion that drove my um, interest in learning about how food affects our health was that back in 1997, after an 11-year battle, I watched my mother at the age of 61 lose her life. And so now here I sit at the age of 61 in the best health of my life. So I told her that her pain would not go in vain. And so I went on a mission to learn what I could and share everything I learned. So can you track back to something that ignited your, um, your passion to, to want to be able to provide good food, to, per, do, to do farming in a sustainable manner, um, yeah. to mobilize veterans, to feed America? I mean, I tapped into your head. Now I'm working on tapping into your heart. So... Tell me yeah. what's behind, tell me what's behind this. Yeah. You know, it was back to the books and, and what I was reading, um, you know, getting into farming, you know, we started to learn about how our food was handled and created in the, in the factory settings, you know, and myself and my wife, Becca started to look at how, um, how, how that really affects us and what's going into say our chicken um, you know, that it does, doesn't need to be there. And, and so we started digging into that more. And so that, and that was the switch in our own lives where we started saying, okay, we're going to specifically go out and find this type of food. And, and we did, and it kind of grew from there as we started doing more research and finding out what it is. And now for myself, now it's, it's really the small farm, the family farm is, is, as I think a lot of people across the nation are seeing today, you know, I've, I've been having this conversation with farmers all across the, the Northwest right now is that the small sustainable farm that's in your backyard is your source of great nutrition. And so if we have our small backyard farmer that's gonna be going and raising a hundred meat birds or, or a thousand meat birds to feed you know, 50 families or whatever, you know, we keep doing that across, then all of a sudden we have a sustainable food source that is quality rather than this mass marketing concept where we produce 10,000 birds or with two people and, or however many people for, for that factory setting. And, and the meat's just not there. The quality's not there. The, the nutrition's not there. You know, we have to fill them with a, a sodium solution in order to make them taste better. You know, it's just kind of, you know, why, why, when I can go and I can raise them on my pasture and we can, we can get a a healthy income for our, our family or any, any family that's wanting to do it. You know, it's, it's not a, um, an extremely hard concept for somebody to learn. It's just then the harder concept is getting the information out there to the consumer, helping the consumer to understand that you can't go and buy a dollar fifty a pound chicken anymore, and think that that's going to be enough for you. It's not going to be good for you, you know. And who are you supporting when you do that? You know, when right. somebody comes and buys a chicken from me, back when I was selling chicken, you know, they were supporting my family right here in our community. And I was then taking that money that I earned there, and I was going back out into my community, and I was going and, and supporting somebody else and buying some vegetables from my neighbor over here, and I was then buying lumber from my, my local hardware store. I was buying 
whatever it is, we're keeping the, the money flowing here and supporting mm-hmm. our local community that way. Right. To me, to me, that's the huge thing is, is the community. Well, that's the responsible thing to do. And let's face it, you didn't pick the easiest road or the most lucrative, um, you know, like a guaranteed quick money kind of a thing. You, your values, it sounds to me like your values preceded um, the dollar. Oh, absolutely. You trusted that if you do the right thing and you help to educate people and it doesn't, it doesn't hurt us that right now we live in the information age and it's so Mm -hmm. much easier to get information. You know, 15 years ago when I would talk to someone, I'd spend 15 minutes explaining to them why the ingredients that they put on their body and in their body mattered. Yeah. Then I could talk to them about some recommendations. But sure. now they're sitting there going, well, does it do this and does it have that? And is it, you know, and that's the information age. It's, it's on our side um, for those of us that are behind responsible businesses and, and practices like this. Um, so I definitely give you a lot of kudos right there. Um, and I love that your wife was in the boat with you, willing to, you know, make the sacrifice, um, go on the risky journey. And, you know, it takes, it takes a village. It takes a partnership to be able to do that. Absolutely. You know, and, and Becca, my wife, she's, uh, she's actually a clinical anatomist by, by trade. That's her, her master's is in clinical anatomy. And so, and, and she, she's still currently, she's a, a, an online college professor and teaches uh, through a couple different universities across the country. And, and so that was, you know, going back to kind of how we got onto everything. She was, she was really pivotal for that because before we got married, I was in a bad place um, with my food. You know, I, I was diagnosed with Crohn's um, back in 2000, 2007. And, and through that, I, had, I would have major flare-ups that would have issues with my, what I was doing. And I was a single army recruiter living in Kansas, eating fast food three, day, or three meals, maybe four meals a day kind of thing. That, you know, it was not good for me. And, and, you know, and, and when we got married, my whole uh, eating structure changed. You know, my wife is an amazing cook and she does, um, she, she's all about the health of the food and how that affects us, um, as you're saying, you know, and she knows so much about the body that she, she's always looking at those things. And so that was, that was probably even bigger than anything else as far as getting us onto the direction. And then I took that knowledge of what she was trying to, trying to find and, okay, how do we take that and make that happen in farming, you know? And there's lots of people doing it. You know, there's, it's happening in every, every corner of the country. Is hap- this, is, this kind of food is being produced by, by small farmers. Well, Becca had a powerful influence here. Absolutely. <laughs> now, you've, you, you've got to tell me because now I'm like on the edge of my seat and I want to hear it loud and clear. You said the landscape of your, your food source changed. I think that's the way you put it. <laughs> So, uh, probably. 
tell me how you felt before and tell me how you felt after Becca. There should be um, a BC or how would we do that? You know, before Becca and after Becca influence. Uh, tell a us B, a little a bit BB about that. AB. Yeah, 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 help me with that. Yeah, you know, she was before, like I said, I was, I, I was in the hospital um, shortly before we got married because of a, a Crohn's flare-up. Um, I couldn't, couldn't get up, couldn't move. I had to have one of my fellow recruiters come and take me to the hospital where I got, I found out I had, had Crohn's. It does run, run in my family. And I was, I don't know, 26 at the time. And, you know, I'm 26 year old, young guy, army guy. I, I'm in defensive or indefeatable, right? Yeah. yeah. Invincible. I ate this. Yeah. Yes. And I ate a, uh, um, a cardboard crust pizza, as I'll put it. One of those places you go to the restaurant, you see it, and you're like, yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm 26, whatever. And ate the stuff and, and it put me over the edge and just tore my system up. And, and it's taken years for my body to recover from, from all that. And I've had flare-ups over the, over the years, but since changing uh, the diet through what Becca has, has brought in, my flare-ups have decreased to almost gone away completely at this point. You know, we're able to identify what bothers me, what doesn't bother me, um, you know, and, and how, how can we work through that better? And so um, absolutely the, the, the AB Becca timeframe was, uh, um, is, is pivotal to, to making my body better, you know, and working. Yeah. So, you know, what that says, Brad, is your, the difference that you're making by what you're providing is farther and wider than you will ever see or know. And I'm kind of on the front lines out here seeing those people. And mm -hmm. I'm the one saying, this is how you need to buy your food. And, and so it's nice to see, like, the guy behind the scenes that was drawn into this because somebody's got to do this. Somebody's got to provide that for us. So I appreciate that. Hey, we're going to go on to a quick break. And when I come back, I want to explore this um, passion and story behind your mobilization of veterans and involving them in your business. And also, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk to you just a little bit about how this COVID-19 pandemic has, has affected you all. Um, sure. And then I'll get you to speak some advice from your lessons learned um, to, the, to the nine to five rebels that are listening to us. So we'll be right back. All right. We are back with my guest, Brad Murphy of Redbridge Farms. And we are going to talk a little bit about um, his initiative to really uh, mobilize veterans and serve them, give them a place to serve on his farm, which is part of Feeding America. And I want to hear more about that. I want to hear what you're doing. I want to hear where you want to see this going. You know, just... Give it to me from your heart, Brad. Yeah, so so obviously, as I've, I've stated already, I am a veteran. I'm currently still serving in the Army Reserves right now. 
and uh, going on 16 years that I've been been doing this now. And, you know, it, so it's, it's a huge part of me to support veterans and what they're trying to do. And as I said earlier, I was taken in by a veteran to help me learn how to get my hands dirty in, in farming. And, and so it was, it's always been something I've wanted to, to give back with and to be able to, uh, to work with, uh, with the farmer or with the veterans as they're trying to get into it. And, and so, you know, one thing that we're, we did when we opened up our mill was we looked for, for veterans to be able to hire them uh, in our mill. And we do our, our mill foreman that we have right now. Uh, he is a Navy veteran. And then right now there's just one other person working for us and she, she actually just joined the Coast Guard. So unfortunately we're gonna lose her, but, but she is, uh, I guess when she's surrounded by veterans, she gets, uh, gets some good ideas with her. Um, so she's gonna be going off to do that. But um, something that we're doing right now uh, is, is we've partnered with uh, an organization called the Farmer Veteran Coalition. And there's different chapters around the country and our the chapter we're working with is the Washington chapter who not only works in Washington, but is helping support right now uh, the different states around us that don't have chapters established yet, helping them either get the chapter established or or working with them to help them with their, their national level, uh, different, different things there. And so um, over the years, we've never really been able to financially be able to, to help in that area. And this year we were able to uh, be able to, to get to a point where we could finally look at it and say, okay, we can do something more than what we're doing now. You know, I, I talk with people on the phone all the day, all, every day, you know, we, we work with farmers all the time and I get to learn tons through the feed. You know, there, that's something I, I don't, I would never get working as, as just a farmer, but on the feed side, I get to talk to farmers all the time and learn and hear what they're doing, how they're doing it. And then I get to take that to other farmers and help them overcome those obstacles. And so, but with the, the farmer veteran coalition, I can then we're, what we're doing is we're partnering with their, their fellowship fund. And we're, our goal is to raise $21,000 by the end of this year. Um, and the reason we picked 21 is really because there's, you know, if, if you look at, at the VA and what they, they say, they, they have an estimated 21 veterans every day commit suicide. And mm -hmm. so looking at, at 20, 21,000, we're going to give $1,000 um, grants to 21 different farming veterans here in, in Washington or the Pacific Northwest. And so, you know, that's, that's huge for me because it's one of these things where we get to, you know, when, when you're getting into farming as a veteran, there's, there's so many different things in your head. You know, how do I do it? We're, we are, all in when we jump into into business you know in the military we're not taught to go kind of tiptoe around anything no you go bust the door down and you get in there and but oftentimes when we do that we don't we need that guidance behind us still we need that help you know i didn't get to learn how to go kick a door in on day one you know we had to learn how to do these different things and so um the farming veteran coalition really helps um helps veterans that are getting out, 
getting out of the military, getting into farming, gives them, helps them with resources on how to learn how to do that and how to find those different resources, learning to, um, to work with their community and work with fellow farmers that are, that are in it. And so with the fellowship fund, that with giving each, each of those $1,000, that goes towards, it can go towards more education for their, their farming. It can go towards um, different uh, equipment that they might need to purchase to help them overcome certain things. I have uh, uh, different videos on, on our website that I, I share about uh, how the Farming Veteran Coalition has helped veterans come over these different things. And so there's tons that they can do. So it's not just a grant per se for someone to just get a thousand dollars. It's it's a grant for them to better their farms so that they can better the lives of the community around them. And veterans, that's their goal. They we we joined the military to serve. And so when we get out, it's like, what do I do now? You know, I worked in a in a office job for a little while and and sat at a computer every day, made phone calls, typed away, you know, I wasn't doing anything. There was nothing, nothing fulfilling for me. It did not hit that realm of the, the passion behind getting into farming or getting to, to work with my, uh, my community. You know, none of that was there in that job, but through farming, we're able to hit that. We're able to provide quality to our, our fellow countrymen around us that couldn't get it otherwise. You know, we can hit those different marks. We can grow those vegetables or grow those, those livestock to be able to do those things and to hone in on it. And right. it's just a matter of then finding, helping um, our customers find us. You know, that's, that's the other big deal with it. So, mm-hmm. Well, we know that a nine to five rebel must have a little bit of a reckless abandonment inside of them in order to make this jump. And Absolutely. the Farmer Veteran Coalition that you're talking about, the FVC, they believe that veterans possess the unique skills and character needed to strengthen rural communities and create sustainable food systems. We believe that, ag- they believe that agriculture offers purpose, opportunity, and physical and psychological benefits. I took that right off of your website, and right. your website is theredbridgefarm.com, correct? Yep. Um, So I think that people will want to go and see some of the videos of some of those veterans and hear their stories. I I think that's very admirable. And, you know, you demonstrate the true American spirit. You know, you want to make a difference. You want to have a purpose. um, And you are truly doing that. and, And I appreciate it. So here we are in, you know, as we are doing this interview, we are right in the midst. I'm in Maryland, you're in Washington State, but we're right in the midst as a country and a world of this COVID-19 pandemic. And so, you know, it's hit everybody in one way or another. It's hit some harder than others. I, I actually um, work virtually, as you kind of see me now. I'd say 80%, which has now gone to 100%. But um, I didn't lose my job, and I'm so thankful for that. And because of what I do, there's more of a demand for my job. So I'm on the front lines in a different way, you know, providing things for people. And I don't know how this, how this translates to where you are, Brad, but if you can share with us what it's done in your world. 
Yeah, it's you know it's it's been a roller coaster, I would say, as I'm sure it is for for near everybody out there. Um, you know, we had a point of of heightened sales because everybody was stocking up because we have a storefront here as well that we sell our our livestock feed from, as well as then our uh, we have dog food and cat food and other things like that as well. Um, and we've had we had huge days where we had people coming in and getting multiple. Um, hundreds of pounds of feed, you know, to cover them. So they didn't have to go out and, and risk the, the pandemic and whatnot. And, and so we had heightened sales of that. And then we've had other days where we see maybe two people walk in the store. Because they're staying home. They're staying home. They stocked up. They're not coming out, you know. And so um, fortunately, a lot of what we do is, is wholesale. We sell um, to stores across the state as well as to farms. So so as far as our, our mill side of things goes, we're, we're still busy. We're still shipping out because the farmers can't stop making, making food. You know, um, they right. have to continue that in order, you know, for us all to live. So, um, so they continue to order, they continue to, uh, to look for, for the products that we offer. And so um, from that side of it, we haven't yet had a big issue from there that we've had some supply issues come in where we couldn't get our dog food orders um, that we ordered in. Um, we were fortunate to be bring, boosting our, our ingredient uh, storage at the time bef just before this all happened. So we already had a lot of that in place. So if we do end up having some issues with getting different ingredients in, um, we have stock for a while. Um, who knows where this is gonna go in a month, two months, four months from now, you know? Um, right. I'd love to say that we're we're all gonna get through it, but this is this is something none of us have ever faced before, and right. it's 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 gonna be a time. We're on unfamiliar territory and unprecedented times, and it's very unpredictable. And there's definitely seasons of that for every nine to five rebel, but nothing like this. This is a totally. <laughs> At what all of us are dealing with is new. Yeah. None of us have been here before, but we link arms and we do it together. Um, so I'm going to ask you to speak to two different nine to five rebels. But before I do that, I must ask you, um, a lot of your business or some of your business is online, correct? Yeah. Or no? Are you shipping? Not, not, we do ship, but... Most of it is, so customers can do wholesale ordering through our online website. And that then, then we do a lot of, all of our, our payment systems all go through QuickBooks. And so we'll do um, invoicing that way that they can pay online on the invoice that way. So, but we used to do some online different stuff, but right now we're just strictly, you can order and then we ship and, and invoice you. So. Okay, so if we want to, if we're raising chickens and we want to get feed from you, let's say just the mom and pops that have these little farms out here, then they go on your website and look at the different retailers and see if there's someone in their area. That's how they would access your, your products. Yeah, that's the easiest way at this point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So speak to the nine to five rebel that just can't silence that voice in their head that says, you got to do it. This is what they're currently doing is just not serving them. They're not 
feeling they're in their purpose. They got that fire in their belly. They got to make the leap, but it just feels so hard to make that leap. <laughs> but you yeah. did it. So tell us, what would you say to that nine to five rebel? It's going to take time. You know, there's, it's, it's so much of a drive for us. We want to get out there. We want to, um, we want to dive straight in, but you know, as, as I've learned over the years is oftentimes if I can't, if it's not going to work or if it does work really fast, it's probably not going to be necessarily the right avenue. And so maybe take time, make sure that we're hitting the points, do your, do your market research, learn what it looks like, get your hands dirty, you go out. And I say that by go out and do it, you know, do a trial run, do a small amount of whatever it is that you're trying to do, whether you're trying to, uh, to launch a product or something, start small and grow from there because you can't, one, you're not going to not going to be able to keep up if you go and, and dive straight in and get Walmart on your side and something, you know, you got to be able to build those resources, build that up. And then along with that is learn finances. You can't do it without that. You know, we, we all are really good at our product, you know, what we, how we make what we make, but none of us ever teach us, nobody ever teaches us the financing side, the how to uh, run our business, put that tax money away. You know, when the tax man comes, it's going to put your business under if you don't have it there. So put that tax money in a separate bank account, put it aside, pay it on time, get it done. Don't borrow from it. Because you know, that'll that'll end your business right then and there. So you have to take that time. You have to understand the business side of it. And there's some really wonderful resources out there, books that you can read. Uh, one of the ones I really love is is Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Great book. Um, it's done a lot of different changes financially for us, and we're still learning. You know, it's still trying to get all this stuff figured out, but. Um, I would definitely say, you know, let's look at that, you know, because you can always make your product, but if you're not handling your finances right, you're not going to make it. Right. So step in with patience and do your homework. And right. Profits First is the book. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. I'll, have you, I'll have you email or text me the information on that. But Profits First is the book. I, of yeah. one of the many books that Brad read. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. My audible account is very full. I listen to a lot of books. <laughs> well, same, same here. I'm on the move, but I'm always listening to something. Yep. So yep. speak to, you know, here we are in this pandemic and wow, do when I say speak to the discouraged or stuck nine to five rebel, maybe what I really want to say is, would you encourage that um, nine to five rebel in these times that we're in to stay the course? Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, this is, like I said before, this is a time that none of us have ever faced before. And we've all gone through hardship with our, our businesses and what we do. And I almost lost the business two years ago to a, an issue that I, a, a bad feed issue that I had. And, you know, but none of it is, is quite like this when customers aren't coming out, you know, how do we work through that? And it's, you know, we just have to, one, for me, I, I have to look to God, you know, that is, he is my rock. He is where everything comes from. And so 
look look to faith look to look to him and the guidance will come you know we have to stay focused on what we're doing how to do it don't get lost in in the what ifs you know the what ifs will take us faster than we can go down any other route and there's always those roads that that come and we think that that's the right one we got to stay the course and got to continue to push read some more books look at some more options get advice from mentors you know talk to those who have been down the road who are who are successful at what they're doing you know most of the time other business members are going to come in and they're going to want to talk to you and, and they're going to want to let you ask them questions anyway i know i do you walk into my store you can talk to me about business stuff any day of the week and i'll i'll absolutely start talking about it i don't know everything but you know we can certainly you know work together it's a community effort you know and and right now is the biggest time where as communities we really need to be working together and to and to, to come together and 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 that's that's really where all, all the businesses are going to be. Small businesses rely on on the community. So reach out to your community around you. They want to help. You know, that's just what we got to do. Yeah. And I have found that as a theme in every nine to five rebel that I've interviewed, how other business owners have been real quick to advise, answer questions partner with each other you know we're living in a day and age where we realize that we are better together and there's Absolutely. enough there's enough for all of us if i sell coffee on the north end of town and you sell coffee on the south end of town we can help each other because there's plenty of coffee drinkers i mean Absolutely. that's just one example but um that's that's also part of the great american spirit and you've definitely demonstrated that and spoke to that loud and clear today brad and I certainly wish you well in this season and in the future. And I know that you're going to hit that goal of helping these veterans and giving them purpose. I think that's amazing. So thank you for what you're doing and thank you for your time today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Hey there, 9 to 5 Rebel. We are so grateful you chose to make time for yourself by listening in today. Be sure to tune in next week as Jesse delivers yet another dose of hope for your entrepreneurial spirit. If the rebel in you has been inspired today, will you please subscribe or leave us a five-star review? Help us reach other nine to five rebels like yourself because the world definitely needs more people doing what they love for a living. And while you're at it, go ahead and share this episode with a friend. To learn more about your Beacon of Hope podcast host, Jesse Kretzer, just visit her website at jessiekretzer.com to subscribe to her blog, or you can connect with her directly on Facebook at Jesse Robison Kretzer or Instagram at Beacon of Hope underscore JK.